Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the final stage of Tour de Suisse Tour of Slovenia, Route Occitanie, and unfortunately, Balois, the Belgium Tour, is still ongoing, but today we'll focus on the TT at Tour de Suisse, which actually has a lot of more stuff, I think, to dive into that's relevant for the Tour de France, relevant to future races than a lot of this race. It's a 25.6-kilometer TT uh, in Liechtenstein around Vaduz, a little bit hilly, particularly the second half. First half was pretty flat up to the intermediate, and it'd still be like a 52, 53K an hour average TT. We had Fulsang. Uh, he dropped out of the leader's jersey. Could he overtake Igita, go third to second? Igita, would he keep the podium? Would he keep second? And would Thomas, I'm almost preempting it, would Thomas... Um, yeah, just not fall over pretty much <laughs> and uh, take the GC here. And he did more than that, to be honest. And you know how we do things, the results. Winning the stage, Remco Evenepoel, the only rider to average over 54, the time of 28.26, beat not Stefan Kuhn, Geraint Thomas three seconds behind. And if he'd been out of GC, that could have made the difference. Kung third on 10. Martinez fourth on 28. Jungles fifth on 33. Schachmann Groschartner, the Bora Hans Grohe top 10 duo, 39.55. Paulus eighth on 59. But he had a mechanical in last K. He would have come fourth or fifth. And Fulsang ninth, Van Baal tenth, Gita on 117, keeps second over Egita, Thomas wins GC. So, yeah, I mean, the Thomas one stands out to me more than even Remco winning Benji because it was always a toss-up between Remco and Kung. Yes, certainly. Pre-race, that was the set rivalry for today's race. And to see that Thomas can compete with those two riders here means quite a bit, I'd say, for his time trial form, definitely. And especially also for Remco, I think this might be a a positive ending to a Tour de Suisse that might not have gone exactly how we wanted it to be initially. When it comes to Kung, like, his Tour de Suisse until yesterday went perfectly for him. And to have a time trial where he ends third is perhaps a bit disappointing for a man that might want to focus on trying to get a time trial at the Tour de France after getting second in loads of them in the past. But, like, the combination of those three, it affects their... Thoughts on the last week, I would say, what happened today. I think Thomas can be relatively happy with this week. He won the Tour de Suisse. He ended up having a very good time trial, above expectations 100% when it comes to the time trial. If you see Thomas in the general scope of this Tour de Suisse, with the level of climbing he did, with the level of time trialing he did, what position do you think he can compete for at the Tour de France? Second or third. I think winning is tough because... Yeah, there's two Slovenians there. There's Jonas there. There's maybe back from COVID Vlasov there. O'Connor's a better climber. But second and third is possible. You need one of the Slovenians can have a mechanical or crash out. It's possible. It's unfortunate. Jonas, the same thing can happen to him. And or you have Jumbo Visma burn one of their two leaders completely for the other and they maybe to win or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't have said this last year. Uh, if you gave me last year's TDF parkour and said, could Thomas win? I'd say no. But we have a 40-kilometer finishing TT. We have basically a Northern Classics first week, except for Longwee, with Cobble stage, with tricky Calais crosswind stages, Denmark, Prologue. And so I think 
because who we who we really thinking, Benji? I'm assuming for him to come third, Jonas or Roglic need to go, one of them, and he then needs to beat O'Connor and Vlasov, and that's why I think he can. There's a world he can. I think so as well. Vlasov, we uh, don't always like longer climb. Uh, like abilities at the moment in the sort of space we were hoping to find that out but he never got to the mountains where we could find that out and we don't know if that is still the same situation as last year in the Giro for example or because like in the past that Mont Ventoux challenge he did well at like ages ago is such climbing still valid for Vlasov in 2022 for me it isn't we need to figure out what is current level on those climbs are and to see whether that's sustainable throughout the Tour de France to see whether Thomas is sustainable during that Tour de France, all that kind of stuff is something we'll find out in the race itself. And like you said, we've got other candidates like O'Connor. Will he keep that up the same way he did in the Dauphiné, for example? And I'd like to see them try, go for that. P3 to 5 is what I would see as the uh, goal for Thomas, a second position if a Slovenian really bottles something or has bad luck or something like you mentioned. But should they put their entire team behind AP 3 to 5, because we're not used to that when it comes to Ineos, you know? Or do you think that they'll also focus on stage wins next to that? Well, they got Ghana. It all depends on the first week. So they have Ghana go for uh, Prologue win and Yellow. So that's someone already going for stages. And I think if he takes Yellow in that stage, that takes a lot of the pressure off and they can focus on GC. That also ensures their car is high up in the bunch for the tricky Danish stages, Calais and Arenberg, if he stays up there on GC. So I think they the, the plan for them is simple. Full send first week, re-evaluate where you are at the first rest day. If Thomas is on the same time or he's got a good gap on O'Connor and Vlasov, I think you have, like the Tour de France podium, okay, I know this isn't Sky was, you know, win or bust, but... I think you've got to commit to a guy for Tour de France GC podium. I think you can still do things, Benji, where I don't think you have to choose so much. Like what we like Verona and the Dauphiné. Get Van Baal in the break on a medium mountain stage. Maybe Thomas struggles, you drop him back. Maybe Thomas attacks, you, you drop him back. Maybe nothing happens and he can sit in and he can go for the stage. I think you can play it that way, but I think they're full send first week, see where he is. If he's completely out of GC, he's in sixth or seventh already and he's got Alps to come, and then I think, you, yeah, you've got to go for stages. But also, and we should mention, one of the notes from this TT, why I said it was relevant for the future, was the new Pinarello Bolita. I'll wait for the engineers and the experts, which neither of us are on sort of bike tech, to really dig into this TT and Pinarello haven't really released any marketing materials on it because it's a prototype. They were, it looked like a New York hipsters fixie with the, <laughs> they've got the sketcher on it and it's all white. It looked fucked up, but it was fucked up fast. So <laughs> that's all that matters is to just break one because on a dry day, on a straight TT course, you obviously need disc brakes, even though Ghana maybe won the world chance because he had a rim brake TT bike over Wapenaar. But that aside, it was fucking fast. As I've said three times now, Danny Martinez Benji, third in T1 to the finish. That has to be encouraging. Maybe he's not sick. Maybe he's not in bad form. Maybe he had a hard altitude camp and he's coming into shape for second and third week TDF. Definitely possible, but second and third third week TDF, then you already have to be in relatively good form stage 11, you know, because that's when the big Alp stages come. And that's where I'd expect a Martinez with high altitude history to be able to shine on those stages as well. So 
I'd hope that he's got that good form by week two then, as in stage 11, basically the start of that. But when it comes to Martina, it's similar towards Remco, you know, it's like he disappointed in the stage that we were hoping they'd shine in. And then towards this end of this sort of Swiss, it's a time trial that really shows it. But the thing with Remco is he's got time until the Vuelta. Martinez has less time to the tour, and it could indeed be that altitude training that impacted the initial days of this to the Swiss because he got better over time during the race as well. So towards the end, he got better, and this time trial is certainly a, a crowning achievement, whatever you can call it on this to the Swiss, better than the previous stages when it comes to Martinez. But is there a, where, a, a way or like a planet on which that you see Thomas's position as leader now benefiting Danny Martinez in the tour? Of course, it's like Bernal Thomas 2019 TDF. That was the format. And I know that's a different era, but in terms of, let's say, we're now going for podium for Ineos, they have the two cards to play. I do think Martinez's form, not just in the TT, but yesterday was understated. If you want to go to lanternrouge.com.au, read uh, Carlos' article, the watts yesterday were more than we thought from the eye test. In that heat, they actually did, like Thomas, if you adjust it for the hot conditions, Thomas did peak watts. And peak watts from Thomas isn't enough to contest with the Salinians on a mountaintop finish, but cycling's not just about mountaintop finishes and watts. But I'm saying Martinez pulled for five kilometers. If he was riding for his own GC yesterday, I think he would have been doing six, 6.05 for 35, which is coming into really good shape so i don't know like i think they're going to want to do a two-liter strategy yates benji would you even take like where does yates fit into you he doesn't really fit into their plan to me unless he's happy to be a mountain domestique but like adam yates when it comes to mountain domestique and it feels a bit odd because i'd argue that there's other riders in that team that i'd much rather have as a mountain domestique but might not be as Good in their peak climbing. For example, a Castro Viejo character that's or such a yeah, Carlos Rodriguez as well, a, a good rider that Bernard that 2018. True, that's him, that's very right? true. Yeah, you're right. You're right in that aspect. And Carlos is also pretty decent when it comes to the time trolling, so he can also keep that same wattage up on the climb, trying uh yeah, try and train the rider forward and so forth. But also could play a role in in other stages. I think that in in chaotic hilly stages, like we saw him good at Strade, for example, he could also play a role there. But I don't know, when it comes to Adam Yates, I feel like he's less useful as a domestique than some of the other options they have, knowing that the first week is going to be so chaotic. And when it comes to GC, I also fear for Adam Yates in that first week. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, is he, he can do great top-end performances, but a mountain domestique, you want him day in, day out to be able to do consistent Castro sort of stuff or a little bit better than that. But but we'll get on to Remco in a second. We've kind of ignored Remco. Uh, but before, I'll mention our show partner, Zwift. One of the most <laughs> engaging parts of Zwift is the social aspect, whether that's group rides, meetups, or group workouts. And things are getting even more social with LRCP, with the LRCP Zwift Club. Join up at the link down below to keep up to date with LRCP Zwift rides or to hop on with myself and Benji when we're on the bike, particularly during the upcoming Tour de France and fancy a bit of company. You can access the LRCP Zwift Club through the link down below. And if you haven't joined up to Zwift yet, you can get a free seven-day trial. But yeah, Remco wins the TT, Benji. Unlike Ineos, I feel like we've learned nothing uh, like he wins a TT, not surprised. Like I, I picked Kung, but I'm not surprised he won. He did 
very consistent pacing. And I guess he just goes back to preparing for the Vuelta now. And I think the same question marks <laughs> that hung over him before the Swiss still will remain before the Vuelta. Exactly. And that's something that I would have hoped would have been gone by now for him as well, because it must not be a positive thing for your preparation that you're always having these doubts on whether you can actually pull it off in World Tour competition, in a World Tour race, because to me, it seems like that's probably not the reason. It's not because, okay, it's pro, uh, not pro race versus a World Tour race in level, or is it because the races are harder from the start in World Tour races that it might inflict a bit more difficult ending? Okay. Generally speaking, if you look at the aggregate watts, of course, that mm-hmm. will be true. But when comparing Swiss and Norway, Norway, in case people didn't watch, they had crosswinds and heavy splits and Ineos action every, almost every stage, including before mountains. They were not just walking up to the base of climbs. Guys were doing 5.8 for 20 minutes in mixed terrain, not just uphill, to stay in group one. So that wasn't a cakewalk. And at Swiss, you look at that first mountain stage, that was slow. I think the difference was the temperature, not the fact that one was World Tour dot pro and maybe his shape is just well, I mean, I was about to say his shape's terrible, but like he won a TT, so his shape can't <laughs> be that bad. Like maybe it was temperature and the extra hours in the saddle in the heat was what really cooked him. Possibly, but when it comes to Norway, I've also got the question then like, could it also be a benefit for this man that there's crosswind in the stage and so forth because it affects him perhaps less than uh, a purer climber or not necessarily nah, I, I don't know it, it sort of it definitely affected someone like Chavez it definitely affected him but I, it, I just want to make the point that dot pro races are not necessarily they're not all the same Valenciana and Tour of Slovenia are both dot pro races <laughs> they are not the same in difficulty <laughs> to come top five this year so you have to actually look at how they were raced uh, but yeah great result from him Kung I think will be a little bit disappointed he actually finishes fifth in GC 15 seconds behind Paulus perhaps with a bit of help from Reichenbach and Pino he would have finished fourth uh Paulus was very disappointed after that mechanical but it didn't matter. He didn't fall down into fifth, and I don't think he didn't lose a minute or 56 seconds on Full Sang, so he wasn't yeah. jumping into third. Anyway, Full Sang Benji, like you look at his position, and again, I'm not an expert, but compared to the other guys, the gap between his hands and head in normal TT position is absolutely huge. And maybe that's also a problem because I think he's in that unfortunate range of height where, oh, no, he's, only, he's 181. He's not 186 like Sivakov. Um, he loses second by four seconds. And that is a difference in terms of points because everything has to be reduced to points in 75 UCI points. But he still takes 325, but that's a difference in equipment. If you swap those two, if you have full sang on the Bora setup and Aguirre on the Israel setup, he finishes second. Yeah, probably. And also next to that, this is also not like the amount of hours you spend in wind tunnels and so forth to like a proper position itself next to the equipment. But in addition to that, is that a consequence of Fulsang not necessarily having had the goal of doing Tour de France GC at the start of the year and now being placed in that position perhaps to try and gain as many points at the end? I mean, no, I think he was always going for one week GCs. I think that's why they signed him. And Liège, Lombardia. I think like one week GCs, maybe not the tour, but I think I think Froome was the tour man. But yeah, um, 
Just yeah. something to note there. And Agita, I would say, did a pretty good in terms of splits. Agita was 20th at T1. T1 to finish was ninth. He finished really strong. Thomas, his pacing strategy, third at T1, first at T1 to finish. Martinez, eighth and third. Uh, Kung faded like he did in World Champs, first, then fifth. So Kung just, his watts dropped off completely, just three, four kilometers a little bit too long, or maybe he just wasn't in European shape. But that's all from Swiss. Thomas Benji, who struggled uh, hard negotiations with Ineos to get the extension, wins Romandy last year, wins Swiss this year, and is at least co-leader with Martinez going into the tour, at, and he's looking really good. So I think that's good. Um, good for me. It's just like it, <laughs> it's just not good if Ineos hadn't, if they had all their team shit for the tour. That's just, like, I don't want to just see Pog against Yumbo. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely adding something when it comes to the GC battle, although... I would have been intrigued to see what they would have done if that would have happened in terms of like, would they send Hater, Pitcock, all those like stage hunters Sheffield. to that? Twitter, Magnus Sheffield, for example, might be a bit GC. too young to send to the tour Going at the age of 19 still. Nah, two grand, two grand tours, <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> okay, okay, it is, it is, it is. But like, also when it comes to Thomas, like last year we were saying, oh, Ineos is going to these Mickey Mouse races and cleaning it up like that because they're doing it with Dennis, Thomas and Sifo with Bord. Do we feel like that's the case then again? Because again, it's not against the Slovenians. Is that taking away from the value of it? I mean, yeah, it's Swiss this week was not the best world tour race. Neither was Romandy, uh, neither was Catalonia. But like, it's not Parani, it's not Dauphiné, not Terreno. Um, but you can only beat who's up against you. And yesterday was a good performance, what's wise, from Thomas, from Agita. Um, so yeah, it's. I don't know. We'll see at the tour. It, that's one of the big problems for cycling, Benji, which is an off-season discussion point, which is it is not good for the sport that Pagancha and Roglic compete against each other maybe once a year if they don't. If one of them doesn't do the Vuelta. Like, that is ridiculous in World Tour stage racing for the spectacle. Uh, but that was Swiss. Very, very hot conditions. COVID disrupted the race, but everyone, they got through eventually. Uh, Sagan also tested positive for COVID. I forgot to mention that at the top of the show. It's like the third or fourth time I think he's had COVID, which is a shame. How that affects his Tour de France, I'm not sure. But yeah, just a shame, I guess, for the green jersey battle. I was keen to see how he went. At Slovenia, I'll wrap it up quickly because, again, it was the same rinse and repeat. They had a 2K 9% climb near the finish. Pagacha attacked at the base, dropped Micah. He couldn't drop Morich, actually. I was kind of surprised. I think he was trying, Benji. He he was trying multiple surges, and it was steep. He couldn't drop Morich. Um On that climb, am I just – I'm trying to read something into this for the tour. Give me something, yeah. Benji. You're trying to read something into it, but it's like he dropped Morich easily the last – two times he attacked in this through the Slovenia. So I feel like, I don't know, I won't read too much into it. Yeah. I won't do this. They go <laughs> over the top basically with three riders. Mezgech is the fourth rider that's trying to like endlessly follow that and close the gap towards those three, towards Mohoric, uh, Pogacar, and then Micah, who came back towards the end of the climb and so forth. And those three were ahead after that climb. And in that flat finish, it was eager, intriguing to me that at a certain point, the race director comes towards the front with the car and Mohoric literally sees that and is like, let me just get into that, the back of that yeah. car and like follow that car for like 10 seconds straight. And Mezgech and Amino like behind like, come on guys, I don't get Mezgech a car. was getting a bit too close. They were like, we got to make sure Paul goes to the finish here. <laughs> um, and that's what happened. Michael let out the sprint. Pogaccio nearly stuffed it. 
he did. Like he was he was laying off Moric a lot. Moric saw, and this is not like a two-up sprint where you remember E3 Harold Becker with Kwiatkowski and Sagan when Kwiatkowski lays off and then gets a run into the slipstream with the guy leading him out. Different. Mike is leading it out here. Moric sees it and he ducks to the other side and then goes in front of Micah. So he shut his slipstream off. So now Pog is actually having a sprint with no one's slipstream, gets back into Morich's slipstream and just beats him in the finish. So like good sprint from Pagacha. Uh, I'm sure people will be calling him for flesh for lone win next year and maybe the green jersey this year, the tour based on this. But yeah, he wins Tour to, of Slovenia, wins another stage and a good week for him. Not really much more to say about it. Uh, Ruth Doxitini, Ineos uh, diced it up in crosswinds, reduced the group, paced with Total. Total had full confidence in Bonifacio. Even Carlos Rodriguez did a lead out at the finish, uh, but they didn't drop Mike Woods or Valverde, who were all still there on GC, so there weren't really any top six GC changes. Viviani starts this round on the left-hand side after a good lead out, I think, from Kim Hajduk. Uh It was Hajduk, yes. And Viviani had no snap, Benji. Like he he was bad in this sprint. I think who was he sprinting against? Uh, Moschetti for Trek and Cantor. He ended up coming fourth from a really good position. And Bonifacio, and he opened up the inside to Bonifacio, who dive bombed. Yep. Like this is why. Like what is it? What's he getting paid? <laughs> like to to hit that gap in a two one stage. That's why sprinters are just built different. He hits an impossible gap to win in the last twenty meters. But yeah, are you? Uh, well, yeah, any any insights from this? Mike Woods takes GC, good points. Carlos Rodriguez, all right. Um, like Viviani, no. what do you see yeah. next for him? I've got no clue what to expect from Viviani, really. I think that he's just like going to ride for Ineos the next two years and then do the Paris uh, yep. Olympics, try and do something there. Uh, both, uh, I th- I'm pretty sure the main focus will probably be Trek for him, although I don't expect there to be too many hills in the uh, actual road race, so he might also try there. Although... What Italian sprinter would you put ahead? Probably, would you put Nizzolo ahead of Viviani or not? Depending on the parkour, probably. Nizzolo, Moschetti, by then, <laughs> anyone. Is Bonifacio French or uh, he's Italian? He's Italian. <laughs> he tries for a French team. Well, I'd put the two guys who just beat him in the sprint, <laughs> Bonifacio and Moschetti, uh, ahead of him. And uh, yeah, I think he's <laughs> he's Ghana's friend and he's doing the track. But that was Occitanie, 2 1 race. Uh, Ineos tried, but it didn't work in the crosswinds for GC, and it was kind of like Provence, but Viviani did not have that legs of that Provence stage where uh, he won with Luke Rowe leading him out. But yeah, 125 points for Woods, that's quick maths for 50 today for Israel. They will be very, very happy with that. And Balwaza, unfortunately, they'll have to they'll be giving a bit back because a lot of Sudal are charging uh, from from there. Otherwise, Tour de Swiss women started yesterday, not a world tour race. It's a dot pro. We couldn't cover it last night because it started at 7.30 in the evening and it was a small group sprint run won by Lucinda Brand uh, with good teamwork. They had Balsamo there. She won the reduced bunch. She won the bunch sprint behind and then today the TT was won. It was also in, but it was in Liechtenstein by uh, one, two, three for Bex. So the Bex women's team is absolutely flying. Faulkner winning. Uh, they won by, she won by over a minute in a 48.3 average. So, yeah, like TDF, Faulkner might be a sneaky top five GC. Uh, the thing for me is like, I would have said yes if there was a time trial. 
But like without a time trial, I'm not sure the climbing will be good enough for a top five. It will it will be close. I think uh, top ten is something I'd be more comfortable saying personally. And now Belwaza, the Belgium Tour is wrapped up. As we said, oh, yesterday, uh, Quentin Hermans won and Mauro Schmidt is able to win GC there ahead of Tim Wellens, Hermans third. So pretty big win for Schmidt. I want to ask you now, after that result, Benji, he's a great rider for their tour squad. Yes, certainly. I think um, oh, for the tour, he's, he's good the in Ardennes and sort of classic stuff for the first I know week. you want... I know you want to send every single kid to like 17 Grand Tours per season. Oh, yeah, but... he did Giro. So he should do two. <laughs> he's carrying his form well. <laughs> but when it comes to Mauro Schmidt, he's so like versatile, you know? He can relatively climb. He can be supportive on the climbs. He can do very well when it comes to the punchy terrain. On the cobble terrain, I trust him to stay relatively afloat uh, because Montalcino will likely translate to being decent on cobbles is what how my mind works. <laughs> but uh, uh, next to that, like... I want to add when it comes to this final stage of today that there was an intermediate sprint, the Golden Kilometer, and we saw a strategy by Quickstep where Wellens and Schmidt were going to fight for the bonus seconds as they would actually have an influence on who wins this race. And Lampard straight up put his elbow ahead of Wellens, then basically started breaking ahead of Wellens to make sure Wellens could not sprint against Schmidt at the Golden Kilometer. And... Like, depending on, uh, I don't think you've had the time to check in Ensefov and me to really judge whether it should be penalized or not. But if it should be penalized, Lampard would get a punishment, Schmidt would not, and Schmidt would still get the second. So it feels like the sport of cycling is a, is a team sport in everything except for the punishments. <laughs> well, it's like Merku at the intermediate sprints last year. This is the Merku strat. It's you, if he deviates, <laughs> he's going to get penalized. I think. Uh, we need to hold a moment's uh, silence, Benji. Jakobsen won the stage out of Phillips and Gerben and I think Cav to the Tour is dead. I'm, <laughs> I'm calling it. I think Cav to the Tour is dead, unfortunately. Like, listen, I want Cav there, like, <laughs> for the views. Um, I don't think, <laughs> like, I don't, like, Jakobsen's comeback story is great, but Cav is, uh, at least in the English-speaking media world, bigger, bigger name. Um but I think it's dead. Jakobsen's looking too sharp. He needed this, though. If he'd sucked in the sprints, it might have been tighter. But I, I don't see Cap going now at all. And uh, what should the boys at Bora do? Should they start having Danny Van Poppel as their main sprinter? Uh, I mean, Gerben Tyson beating Bennett. Bennett coming fourth. It's going to be a sunk cost fallacy. If you switch the salaries around... There's no, there's no argument, right? But that's just not <laughs> how these things work. So yep. I don't know, maybe Bennett's coming into shape. We've seen Hindley go from one level to, you know, fifth on Carpena in a group G3 to dropping Carapaz on Fadaya. So maybe Bennett can do that in the tour. I don't know. Um, I'm too scared to judge the Bora performance management anymore. I'm too scared. I've had my fingers <laughs> burned too much. Like, I won't even count Vlasov out. They'll literally be like, he's COVID positive. I'm like, that man could win the tour because I'm not getting burnt <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, you're right. In all seriousness, it's not good um, because it's the whole of the year thing. And what do you think they should do? You're the, you're the performance manager. You're the DS or manager. What do you say? 
okay, I'm the performance manager. So I'm, uh, depending on Vlasov's form, the focus on a podium is realistic, in my opinion, when it comes to the team. I think they can achieve that if the situation turns out relatively okay on the mountains and so forth. When it comes to the rest of the team, I think that they're likely going to end up with Mullen, Archbold, Thumpopel as the leadouts for Bennett. But should they? I think... Can Van Poppel do well on long Wii or is it too difficult? Not too hard, but he can do well okay. on the other stages. Now, he's legit fast. I think on the other yeah. stages, it's a messy, they're messy in Denmark and Northern in Calais and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, who's to say he can't do well? Um, I don't know, but then Jakobsen will still be there. What about if Vlasov's, the, the big question is, do you pull a Gita out of his schedule? He's supposed to go to Polonia Vuelta. And you send a geezer as your GC man if if Lasov's not right. Ooh, it doesn't suit him. Not really. sure about that. Yeah, I think the Vuelta's parkour really kind of fits him outside of the time trials when T-T-T, it comes to like the stages. Oh, that's true. You're right. You're right there. Hmm. It's tough. I don't think they should change that last minute in that sense. Groshart and Shockman will probably be at the tour. I think that should be a focus for support for Vlasov if Vlasov is indeed there. And otherwise, uh, Domus, oh, otherwise stage wins if he's not. Konrad, same story. So um, I think it's a pretty decent team, actually. Groschart and Schachmann being top 10 at Tour de Suisse as well. Konrad being uh, relatively okay as a rider as well. So I think it's uh, a damn solid squad they've got as well there. But we're, we're diving into the TDF preview, mate. We can't spoil <laughs> everything before the next one, okay? Well, it'll all change by the time we record. By the way, that'll be in just under a week. Uh, hopefully, there'll be more news, I'm sure, in the coming week. Uh, Re-riders conditions, hopefully recovery from COVID, etc. But that's all from us. Been a big block of racing, a couple of days off now before we get stuck back into it. Thanks very much for your support. If you have enjoyed the LRCP episodes recently, make sure to give us a review or a rating on podcast players or subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Thanks to you all. Benji and I are going to have a little rest. Ciao.